Over the past few weeks, we have been going through this sermon series called BLESS, which is an acronym that stands for five practical ways uh, to bless people in our lives. And we've been specifically thinking about those in our lives who are not yet believers in Christ. Um, And so how can we bless and love those individuals in our lives? Uh, We looked a few weeks ago at that first letter B that stands for begin with prayer. Uh, we, we start by praying for God's direction in how he wants us to bless people. And, and then we begin to pray for those people that God brings to mind of who he might be calling us to bless. Then we look at L, which stands for listen with care. Um, and so we, we, and under that one, we, we talked about how we want to pay attention to what's going on in other people's lives. We don't want to just kind of bring our own presuppositions. But we want to listen before we speak. We want to understand how God might already even be working in someone's life. So we talked about listening. Then last Sunday, we looked at E, which stands for eat together. Um, and so we, we, there, with that sermon, we talked about the importance of gathering together with, with, with people, uh, building a genuine relationship, which can often happen over a meal, as we share meals together, as we build um, our lives and build relationship through, through eating together. And in each of these practices, our goal, and in this whole series, our goal is not to try to convert or to fix the other person. But our our goal is to simply look for ways to genuinely love and bless them and then trust that God will use those things as he draws people to himself. Um, And so as as we pray, as we listen, as we eat with people, we begin to get a sense of how we can actually actively love and serve those individuals. And next week, we're going to be looking at how we can then, when the opportunity comes, to share our story of how God has worked in our life and to share the story of the gospel. So that's what we're going to be looking at next week. But for for today, we're focusing on that second S at the end of BLESS, which stands for serve with love. Serve with love. As we grow to understand maybe how can I serve this person that I've been listening to, that I've been eating with, that I've been praying for? Um, How do we actively serve people in our lives who are not believers in Christ? And how do we do that with love? Uh, So the text we're going to be looking at to focus on this idea comes from the Gospel of John, John chapter 13, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 17. John chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God, So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing. But later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. 
Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this account of of this amazing act of Jesus um, serving his disciples the night before he was going to die for the sin of the world. And we pray that as we look at this example of Jesus, that you would speak into our lives of how you're calling us to serve with love uh, the people around us that you're calling us to love in this way. So open our ears, speak to us now, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Serve with love. I think pretty much anybody in the world would probably agree that's a good thing to do. It's not a really controversial thing, right, to talk about serving and serving with love. Uh, We can probably all think of examples where we have maybe served someone as an expression of love for them. Uh, For those of you who are married, maybe uh, doing the dishes after your spouse cooks a meal, uh, looking for ways to kind of serve that person, or or raking leaves or shoveling snow for your next door neighbor, you know, kind of just trying to pitch in and give a hand to, to someone that you're living next to. Maybe bringing a meal over to a couple who just had a new baby. Uh, There are all kinds of of small, simple acts that we can do to tangibly serve and love people in our lives, right? And yet, if we're honest, I think there are also many times when we don't want to serve in love. Uh, There are those days when the dishes pile up in the sink and both spouses are just waiting for the other person to crack first Who's going to actually do those dishes? You know, if I can just wait this other person out, maybe eventually. There are those days where you just don't have it in you to rake leaves or shovel snow for your neighbor. You'd much rather just sit and relax and watch TV. Uh, There are those days where maybe you know that 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 family had a baby and it might be a good thing to bring a meal over to them, but it's, you're just too busy. There's too many other things going on in your life. There are times when serving with love, I think if we're honest, that it can feel more like a burdensome obligation. So before we talk about how to serve with love, I want to to first think about reasons why we don't serve with love. Um, What is it that sometimes gets in the way of us serving people in our lives with love? I think the first reason is that we often want to serve ourselves or to be served. Um, 
I think this might have been part of what was going on in the text that I just read from, from John chapter 13. Jesus had gathered his disciples for a Passover meal, and normally, when people entered a house, someone would wash the feet of those guests who were coming into, the, into their home. Sometimes it was the host, the person who was hosting the meal. Other times, it, it might have been a household servant. But in this particular situation, it seems that no one had offered to wash people's feet as they came into this room. Because Jesus performs the act a little bit later on. Verse 2 tells us that the evening meal was being served. So, so Jesus and his 12 disciples, they had already sat down to eat, but no one had washed their feet yet. Um, and in, that, in those days, not washing your feet, it wasn't just, you know, like nice clean feet that were being washed. This is our dirty, stinky feet. And you can imagine those disciples kind of looking around being like, okay, guys, it's getting kind of smelly in here. Who is going to do this deed? You know, who, who is going to be the one that's going to finally step up to the plate and, and wash these feet? In Luke's gospel, we're told that at the same meal, a dispute arose between the disciples about who was the greatest. So this is the kind of mindset that these guys had when they were, get, when they were gathering to eat this meal. They were thinking about who is the greatest. You can imagine, none of those disciples were eager to volunteer to do this lowly, menial task. To get a better sense of that, I want to read a selection from the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is a, a children's storybook Bible that, that my kids love. Uh, this is a selection of, of what I'm going to read here. You can't read it here. You can't see it there, but, I'll, but you can see the illustration maybe a little bit. Um, and Lucas, my son Lucas, particularly loves this story. Um, which you'll, you'll find out why in just a minute. So I'm going to read from the Jesus Storybook Bible. It says, Jesus and his friends were having the Passover meal together in an upstairs room. But Jesus' friends were arguing. What about? They were arguing about stinky feet. Stinky feet? Yes, that's right. Stinky feet. That's where Lucas always laughs. He loves that part. And it continues, now the thing about feet back then was that people didn't wear shoes, they only wore sandals, which might not sound unusual except that the streets in those days were dirty. And I don't mean just dusty dirty, I mean really stinky dirty. With all those cows and horses everywhere, you can imagine the stuff on the street that ended up on their feet. So anyway, someone had to wash away the dirt. But it was a dreadful job. Who on earth would ever dream of volunteering to do it? Only the lowliest servant. That's the end of where I'm going to leave it off there. See, none of the 12 disciples volunteered to wash the feet of Jesus or the other 11 in the room that night. No one was eager to serve in love when it meant washing 24 dirty, stinky feet of 12 other guys. You see, they were more interested in arguing about who was the greatest among them. The disciples had more of a mindset of building themselves up, of being served rather than serving. 
And we can easily fall into that same kind of mentality where we want to serve ourselves or be served. And I think part of this comes from the culture that we live in. You know, our culture pushes us to think that the ultimate goal that we are working towards in our lives is to get to a place where we are being served all the time. Think about that. You know, we want to get to the place where where we have enough money where we can fly first class and get that extra service, that extra comfort. We want to get to that place where we're successful enough where we can have an assistant who's going to take care of all those mundane, menial tasks that we'd rather not do. We want to go on vacation and be pampered. We want to go to a nice restaurant where the waiting staff goes above and beyond to serve us. We want to go to a church that's meeting all of our preferences and desires. Sorry, I just had to throw that in there. In our consumerist culture, it can be so easy to think of things primarily in terms of how it's going to benefit me. How it will serve my interests, my preferences, my comfort. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to fly first class or wrong to go on vacation or to a nice restaurant or even to have preferences when it comes to church. But when our mindset gets focused on serving ourselves, on wanting to be served, it is very natural that serving others gets pushed off to the back burner. Right? That becomes sort of a secondary thing. If I can get, take care of my needs, my interests first, that, yeah, if I, can, if I can fit in serving someone else in the midst of that, that's, that's fine. In, in the back of the church parsonage where, where we live, there's a large tree whose branches spread over the property of um, both of our next-door neighbors. And earlier this summer, one of those neighbors mentioned to me that the branches were getting kind of low and were hanging over their garage. And so I told them I would be happy to trim those branches. Here was a great opportunity to tangibly serve that neighbor in love, right? But I kept putting it off. I kept making excuses in my mind for why I wasn't able to do it, why I was too busy. And to be honest, most of, the, most of those excuses were very self-centered. I kept finding mysteriously other things to do that I enjoyed much more than trimming trees. You know? What that revealed was another reason why we don't always serve in love, which is that we have a lack of love. So serving can feel like a burden. If I'm really honest with myself, I have a hard time loving that, ex- that, that next-door neighbor. Um, they're not particularly friendly. Um, there have been a couple times over the, the, the years when I have done something that made them upset with me, like the time when I accidentally ran over one of their flower pots with our car and I was parking it. And even after apologizing profusely and trying to give them one of our flower pots or pay for a new one, it just didn't seem to be enough. And so it's not easy for me to feel a lot of love gushing up for this particular neighbor. And so when I finally did get around to trimming those branches in our backyard this summer, I wasn't doing it out of love for that neighbor. I was doing it out of a sense of obligation so they wouldn't get upset with me for another thing. (laughs) 
that I wasn't doing. My serving felt like a burden. I put it off as long as I could, and when I finally did it, I wasn't serving with love. I don't know if you can relate to that experience at all in your life. Finding it difficult to serve a particular person, being faced with with the fact that, that you maybe have a hard time loving someone in your life. At the Passover meal, Jesus had every right to feel that way about one of his disciples. In verse 2, we learn that the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. And later in verse 10, Jesus says to his disciples, And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew it. And he also knew that Judas was going to leave that meal a little bit later in the evening, which is what happens. Judas does. He leaves. But I want you to notice, knowing all of that, Jesus could have easily waited to wash those disciples' feet until after Judas left. But he didn't. He washed Judas' feet too. He served the one who he knew was going to betray him. He also chose to wash the feet of the disciples who he knew were going to abandon him later that night in the Garden of Gethsemane. He washed the feet of Peter, who Jesus knew and who he predicted was going to deny him three times, deny that he even knew Jesus. Jesus took the posture of a slave bending down to perform the menial, lowly task of washing the dirty, smelly feet of 12 men who are just about to let him down in various ways. And he did all of that with love for them. We read, we read earlier that, that this is how Jesus showed, he was about to show the full extent of his love to them. See, when we look at the example of Jesus and what he did for his disciples that night, knowing what he knew about how they were going to fail him, it is clear that we fall far short of this example. Our love is so weak compared with Jesus' love. Our acts of service are, are so often much more self-serving and, and, and comfortable compared to the selfless, sacrificial act of, of, of love that Jesus has for people. In this sermon series on how to bless people who don't know Jesus, if we're honest, we are often a lot more concerned with how we can be blessed. And our self-centered, self-serving actions, they are just as much of a failure to follow Jesus as the disciples' act of running away in the Garden of Gethsemane. Our lack of love is just as much of a denial of knowing Jesus as Peter's denial was of knowing Jesus. And yes, even our self-focused sin is just as much of a betrayal of Jesus as Judas' act of betrayal. You see, our lives and our hearts, 
they're just as dirty and smelly as the feet of those disciples. And none of us deserves for Jesus to wash our dirty feet. None of us deserves for him to serve us with love. And yet that is exactly what he does for each and every one of us. Just as he did for his disciples. So these are some of the reasons why we fail to serve in love. And I want to look now at how Jesus serves us with love. See, verse 3 of our text says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God, he was returning to God. And you might expect that the very next thing after that buildup is that, and therefore, Jesus did this amazingly powerful, grand miracle, right? God had given him all power, and he like just healed 5,000 people. But no, the next verse says, and so therefore... So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus, the one who had all power, who was one with the Father, who could have demanded his disciples to wash his feet, he was the only one that deserved that. Instead, he takes the place of a servant. And he does this common, menial act of service. An act of service that that Peter, when he saw Jesus doing it, said, what are you doing, Jesus? This is not how you're supposed to act. Right? You're going to wash my feet? But Jesus does this not only to show his, his disciples an example of serving with love, There's something deeper going on here. Jesus, he does this act that symbolizes an even greater act of service and love that he was about to do the very next day. See, Jesus was about to lay down his life for us as he willingly chose to die on the cross to pay for the sin of the world. Jesus went to the cross in order to wash us clean just as he washed the dirt from the feet of his disciples. He died to take the judgment we deserve for our self-centered, self-serving, loveless hearts and actions. Jesus was judged in our place, taking our dirt upon himself. And because of that, now we can be clean. We can be declared righteous because of Jesus' righteousness. Jesus serves us in love by paying for our sin and forgiving us and cleansing us and giving up his life so that we can live forever with him. And it is this act of love, this act of service and blessing that Jesus showed to his disciples and that he shows to us, that is what then leads to our serving others in love. So the last point here is that we serve with love in response. We fail to serve in love in many ways. Jesus, he serves us in love by paying for our sin, by dying for us, by washing us clean. And what is our response? We serve others in love. 
You see, it's only after Jesus washes the feet of his disciples that he asks them to go and do likewise. In verse 14, Jesus says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Jesus doesn't expect the disciples to wash one another's feet before he washes them first. He knows their hearts. He knows they don't want to do that. But he says, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to do this thing that you're going to be shocked by. And then in response, I'm calling you to wash one another's feet. When he washes them, in response to this act of service, he invites them to do this for each other. We are not going to be able to serve in love through our own strength and willpower. We just won't. When we try to get that gumption up, I'm going to serve that neighbor, I'm going to do that, you know what? We are going to fall flat on our faces. We might be able to do it sometimes, but we know our hearts, right? But when we receive Jesus' loving service toward us, when we recognize how much he has given for us, when he washes our dirty feet, when he sees our dirty hearts and he sees that we're selfish and he still loves us and he still cleanses us, when we receive that forgiveness, that cleansing work on the cross for us, his righteousness that covers our dirt, in response to that, if he tells us, hey, go, go and wash some feet for me, will you? Man, that's the least we can do in response to what Jesus has done for us. Then we are invited to serve others in love, our fellow believers, but even beyond that, to serve those who are far from God too. Because these acts of loving service to our neighbors, done in response to Jesus' love for us, they will be tangible signs of blessing, signs of that point to Jesus' love for them as well. I want to close with a story from the book, Staying is the New Going, Choosing to Love Where God Places You. Uh, The author of this book, Alan Briggs, he recounts the story of how he and his wife chose to serve a particular neighbor of theirs in love. This is what he writes. He says, there's one woman who has required continual energy from my wife and me. Many times we've been discouraged, wondering if we have had any impact on her life. I'll refer to this woman as Karen. In the last four years, in addition to losing her marriage, Karen has has experienced three significant deaths in her life, struggled through bouts of mental illness and alcohol-related incidents, Every month, she seems to experience a different form of heartbreak. There always seems to be something painful going on in her life. My wife has listened to Karen talk for long hours, giving counsel where it was wanted. We have taken care of her daughter. She has joined us nearly every Friday for coffee on the corner and at every dinner party that we've thrown. She has just simply been around, soaking in relationship with our family and our band of Jesus-loving friends. We have hitchhiked with her down the road of pain she has been living. It's been exhausting and fulfilling. 
One day, she showed up at our church service unannounced. For several weeks, she absorbed a collective glimpse of what she had experienced in our living room at Free Coffee Friday and in those dinner parties. And tears were streaming down her face every time she sat in a church service. Something clicked. After about three years of struggling through life with Karen, she crawled in the passenger seat, tossed Jesus the keys, and let him drive. I got the great honor of baptizing her just a few weeks back, he writes. As our congregation heard her retelling her journey toward Jesus, life paused for a moment. I recounted many of those times we had felt hopeless in loving her. While we continued to love her as she was, we never imagined a day when we would celebrate this precious sacrament together. If every cup of coffee we've served and every time we've prepared food for a dinner party was to experience this part of Karen's journey, it was well worth it. The last verse of our text, verse 17, Jesus says, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You will be blessed if you do them. Seeing God work through our acts of love and blessing to others in service to reach people like Karen, what better blessing could we experience in our lives than to see God rescue someone, than to see God use those simple acts of love that feel like nothing's going to happen here, but to see God use those to bring someone into the kingdom. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that so often we, we do not want to serve in love. Lord, that we are so often more focused on serving ourselves and wanting to be served and, and trying to work hard to get to a place where we're living in comfort and when, where we're being served by, by others around us and Lord, we, we confess just our, our unwillingness, Lord, to, to follow your instructions here, to look beyond ourselves, to serve one another, to wash people's dirty feet, to come alongside people, maybe even people who have betrayed us, people who we see as our enemies, people who, who, we, who we just don't want to love. <coughs> Forgive us, Lord, for the ways that we've failed to follow your direction. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who, who doesn't destroy us, who doesn't judge us, who doesn't turn your back on us, even though we have sinned against you, God, but that you are a God who came into this world. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Lord, you are this one who has come to serve us, we who do not deserve your service at all. And you have laid down your life for us. You've done that so that we could be cleansed. You come into our dirty, sinful, selfish lives and, and you wash us white as snow. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are this kind of God. As we have been washed by you, Lord. Maybe there's someone here today who hasn't been washed, hasn't experienced that. 
But maybe even today, Lord, you are just wanting them to know that that's exactly what you want to do in their life. To wash them clean. To forgive all of their sin. To be the one who comes and serves them in love. I pray that if if there's someone here, Lord, even today, that you would call to them, they would respond by trusting and accepting that invitation to be washed by you. Lord, as we are washed, as we are served by you, Lord, we pray that, that we would serve in love those around us, that we would go out of our way to look for the people that you've placed in our lives and to give of ourselves, Lord, not out of obligation, not as a burden, but out of joy and out of gratitude, out of response to what you've done for us. And we thank you, God, for the promise that as we do that, that we ourselves will actually be blessed as we see you at work, even in their lives too. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.